Welcome to Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Gavin. Uh, so welcome back. So this is our 10th episode. Hey. hey, happy birthday to us. Hey, happy birthday. I said we should have a party, but yeah, well, sassy, that seems to have passed us by somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, no party this time. Uh, but we did get a big present. In a big box. Yep. Um, we've got we've got a sponsor. Hooray. Yeah, uh, Lee and Paul have, have stepped up to provide us with the cash to get some shiny new audio kits. I've been mm-hmm. shopping on Amazon. We've got microphones and audio mixers and all sorts of stuff. So hopefully we'll sound... Uh, even better than we did before. Lovely and warm is how I think we're going to sound. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Still quite Scottish, though. We can't do much about that, I'm afraid, even yeah. in the even in the best editing. Yes. Uh, does also mean that we will be going to the World Championships in Leipzig Hooray! in July. Even I'd better. Up, I'd have to put up with you being really smug and saying, I went to the Blah Championships and didn't <laughs> had a great time. Yeah, so we, we both get to go to this one. Uh, so we're going to be there for the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, which is when the individual last 64 down to winners happens. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, get, main event, we'll really. get all of the action. Uh, we're we're going to miss out on the teams, but we'll be home in time to watch all of that on YouTube as, as usual. So uh, you should get, hopefully, a, a sort of daily episode from us, given That's the plan. sort of near... <laughs> A near live uh, report from uh, the action of the day. Uh, so thanks again to Liam Paul. Thanks, well, yeah, they've really come through for us. I didn't expect them to give us enough money for all this. So. Well, it's I mean, great. they were brilliant actually because um, I went to them and said, "Well, it would, you know, we'd like to do this, and this is what it's going to cost, and we'll offer you X, Y, and Z in return." And they said, "Well, you probably need a bit more than that, so here's a bit more cash, and you don't need to do nearly as much of that for us." And I was like, "That's brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, enough about us. Time to talk about some fencing. Um, yeah. It's been. Yeah, kind of reasonably well. It's been actually a massively busy time since since we last recorded. But in this episode, we're we're not going to look at the cadets and junior world championships, which we'll do in our next episode because when we're recording is the sort of very last day. Um, so we've watched tons and tons of fencing, and we've got loads of, of that to talk about. Uh, but we'll do it all in sort of one one yep. big show. Uh, and we do have uh, a tremendous interview later on. Yes, we do. One that I've, I've been looking forward to doing for absolutely ages with uh, Maestro Janik Wojciechowski. Britain's premier foil coach for the last 30 years or so. Virtually every every decent foilist that's come out of Britain in that time has been, been coached by Janik. Um, and I, I had a really fascinating chat with him down at Liam Paul Centre in London last weekend. So um, we've got that to look forward to mm-hmm. in, t- in a little bit. Um, but before then, um, our first competition, uh, Women's Sabre World Cup in Yangzhou in China. Tell me all about the Women's Sabre, Sean. <laughs> well, yes, now, is, now that I'm our, our resident sabre expert, yep. uh, God help us. Yeah, well, typically it's one that there was no video for. Uh, Hooray! Yeah, um, <laughs> ones in China never never seem to have any sort of a live feed. Um, mm. But there was still actually plenty to talk about from this one because the, the French renaissance in women's sabre continues with Manon Bruni uh, winning the competition. Oh, wow. Good, good stuff. Uh, so good stuff from her. Also the return to action of Marielle Zagunas of the USA, her first outing of the... Uh, of the season since the Olympics, and um, she took third place. So, you know, back to form pretty much straight away. That's very good. Um, and the other thing that we usually talk about when it comes to a women's sabre competition is how Ariana Rigo got on. And? And top 16 this time. Oh, improvement. It's a, Yeah, it's a very decent result. And in the last 32, she... Yeah, sorry, the last 32, what was I saying? Uh, she put, put Anna Marton. Oh, really? Who'd won, who'd won the... An yeah. actual proper women's sabre fencer. Yeah, who, who'd won the last World Cup. Yeah. Uh, so that's um, you know another another step forward for for Arrigo. What, what else do we have as well as um, Bruni winning? Uh, we had another another French woman in second place with uh, Sarah Balzer. Uh, a little bit of a surprise result from her. She's not a regular in the French team, uh, but had had a very good run. Uh, and as well as uh, Zagunas taking the bronze, we had uh, Martina Crisio of Italy um, sharing the third place. 
in the team event, uh, we had the Americans winning. And you think, oh, well, you know, Sigunis is back, leading mm-hmm. their team to, to gold. But she actually didn't fence in the team event. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was the first American win um, at a Women's Sable World Cup for two years, apparently. Wow. So that was... Uh, was last time I was asking when the Americans were going to find their form again. I think it was. It could have been. Well, Mariel's return, obviously, is a big help. Yeah. Also had Monica um, Akam, Aksamit, Aksamit, yeah. Aksamit yeah. Uh, making the top eight there. And who else do we have? I'm sure one of the other Americans. Uh, yeah, Dagmara uh, Vosniak also made the top 16. Well, that's good. Yeah. So a better set of results from the American after you know a fairly slow start to the season for the most part for them. Good day for the French. Excellent. Ret- return of form for the Americans. An American winning the team event. So, where, where, where were the Russians? Um, the Russians were not there at all. At all, no, oh, okay. no, no Russians uh, didn't come out to play in China. Don't know why. All right, okay, it's um, interesting. Maybe some logistical reason, some geopolitical reason. I really don't know, but they were they were nowhere to be seen. So, all right, okay. So yeah, so it was a short hop for the for the women's sabers from from there to the their second Grand Prix of the season in Seoul. Men there as well, obviously no team event. Individuals for for men's and women's, but this is a Grand Prix, so you, there should have been video for this one. There was, yeah. So this was much easier to offer some sort of, well, some sort of comment from me. Uh, in the women's, uh, Russians were back, and world number one and Olympic champion uh, Yana Gorian takes the title. I watched pretty much all of the last eight onwards in this, and I've got to say, Yana Gorian, she's she's not always won, but she's won both the Grand Prix this season. She's reigning Olympic champion. When she's on her best form, she does look like the best women's super, you know, sort of justifiably yeah. the best. Yeah. There's no sort of one thing from a sort of technical or speed or physical point of view that, that marks her out from the other women's sabras, but her sense of timing just always seems that little bit sharper when she's on her best yep. best form. Uh, so when everyone's at their best, she is she is top of the pile. Right, okay. Um, so, if, so in other words, if you're on your best then and she's not, you might win, but yeah. if she's on her best, she is the best. It, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're seeing here, right? Okay. Pretty much. Anna Marton recovers from her her last thirty two exit in in China uh, to finish second. It was a fairly comfortable win in the final, uh, to be honest. Gregorian was pretty pretty well in control of things. Final score, I think, was fifteen twelve, which sounds quite close, but it, it never really looked in doubt at any stage, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Cecilia Berdi continuing French form with a third place. Again, a closest fight with the Gorian. Again, that was when Gorian looked in control. Berdy scrapped and battled for all she was worth to, you know, kind of try and keep in touch. But yeah, again, again, the result never really looked looked in doubt. Gorian just had that sort of better fuel for the fight. Yeah, and yeah. Never really felt that uh, whatever Berdy th- threw at her was was ever quite going to be enough. Yeah. Um, the the other semi final, a bit more straightforward. Uh, Anna Marton, um, a comfortable fifteen eight win mm-hmm. um, against Martina Crisio. Miles Gunas. Since she's since she's back in action, making the top eight, so you know it's a decent couple of results for her first outings after after a lengthy break after the Olympics. Manon Bruni uh, lost out narrowly in the last eight at fifteen fourteen, lost to Crisio. Uh, that, that was a really good scrap. That one actually quite entertaining. Right. Crisio, the sort of lower ranked fencer, mm-hmm. uh, but having a having a good day. How's this uh, How's this affected the Americans' run for the world championships? How do you mean? Their ranking, uh, this is, none of this is going to affect their, their placing and stuff like that for championship. Miles Agunas is making a very late run, I think. Oh, I see what you mean. He's, well, the thing is, um, Marielle has currently in the world rankings, she's still about fifth or sixth despite having oh, right, missed okay. half the season because she had strong results at the end of um, at the end of last season in the run-up to the Olympics. Um, so she's still still well placed and with these okay. two results. That's fair enough. I don't, think see, I don't think you're going to see any huge change to the, the lineup for the American team for the, for right, the World okay. Championships this time around. Okay. Um, in fact, the only one that might be might be under a bit of pressure is uh, Itahaj Mohammed, who's really not okay. produced any sort of a result at no, all. No, I did notice that she's not been quite up to speed. 
Uh, number, yeah, that's putting it mildly. I think she's fenced in something like five competitions since, since the Olympics. She's always been ranked in the top 16. Mm-hmm. Although I think after this latest one, she's she's just dropped out. And she's gone out, gone straight in the last 64 in four of them and made it through to the last 32 and, and gone out there in the other one. So her form has been okay. pretty horrible. But I don't see that there's anybody else sort of uh, really stepping in to take her place at the moment. Eliza Stone was the fourth fencer that fenced in the team event in in the uh, World Cup of China. Sure, but her her results haven't been enough. I would have thought for her to yeah, to yeah. take any of the established team team's place. Uh, so that was that was when Saber. It was good, um, and as I say, Agorian looking, you know, the, the class act in the field and, cool. and what is you know. I feel that I'm kind of increasingly interested in. I have really right. enjoyed the women's sabre this year, and of course, this was actually this, that was the other thing to mention. This is the first senior women's sabre world cup that's been uh, fenced back at four meter on guard lines as well after the mm. after the trial period where the, the three meters has has come to an end. Um, so it's still it's a little bit too early to see whether or not that's had any massive effect on anybody. Sort of the compression of the the actual long garden and suddenly releasing it back out again. I mean, obviously we're talking about the Romanians just saying, "Nah, we're just going to fence it four meters." And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe so. I mean. It might be the case that that's what um, Marielle Sabunis is waiting for. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, may just be a coincidence. But uh, yeah, that's a possibility that, that crossed my mind uh, as we're looking at that. So that, that was the wounds. As I say, really enjoyed it. Uh, the men's, I am I enjoyed three-metre fencing in the men's. I thought it made All it right. much more interesting. What we've, what we've got now, back to four metres, I'm, I'm enjoying it less. I'm enjoying it less than the, the women's. What, what, what makes you say that? Um... It is a bit more of a return to uh, power-based saber. Oh, right, okay. I know that the the experiment with three-metre three meter on guard line in the men's and to some degree to the women's certainly wasn't particularly well-received and indeed eventually they abandoned the experiment. I, th- I thought for the men's it did make it more interesting and I'm not a huge fan of, of the return to four-metre saber for men's. However, um, world number one, Yung Wang Kim, precisely the sort of saber that the, the FIU were reputedly uh, keen to put a bit of a, a shackle on with the three-metre on guard line Julie won is his homegrown pre and soul, uh, and it was. I mean, it was pretty impressive. Vincent Anset, who's well placed in the world rankings, I think second, or second or third at the moment, um, lost out to him in, in the final. Uh, and I hadn't actually seen a whole load of him fencing, to be honest, uh, as a sort of late adopter mm-hmm. of uh, uh, of uh, watching saber. Um, I've only really watched stuff this year. His results have been relatively patchy, and I think the one one result that he he had done particularly well. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of video for, and and he's actually a nice fencer, a bit more technical, far less physical and explosive than, than the Koreans and a number of others. Uh, and he was he was good at a lot of variety in his fencing. I quite enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, Kim Kim remains the the big, big physical beastie that at four meter fencing is is very very hard to stop. Oh, but his teammate is he still to be? Because I thought the Koreans would be very strong uh, on a home Grand Prix like that. Um, Sangaku made the the last eight. And and lost out to Kim there. Gubongil uh, went earlier. I can't remember. Sixteen, 16 maybe. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Luca Curatoli, another uh, relatively young Italian, made uh, made the semi-finals as well. Put up a, a good scrap with uh, with Kim. Actually, that was quite a good fight as well. Mm-hmm. But as I say, my, my overall feeling about uh, the men's sabers, uh, yeah, not enjoying it as much at four meters well, as three. You, you know me. I've kind of went off men's saber in a, uh, in a big way for a long time. Now. I just can't get my head around it anymore. Yeah. I just find it completely dull. I just, I just, it's just like, yeah, ready, steady, two big guys hit each other. Ready, steady, two big guys hit each other. Ready, steady, two guys. You know, I just find it completely boring. I'm not really feeling the joy that you feel for women's saber either, but I appreciate it a lot more because lots more happens in it. Mm-hmm. You get good, you get, you know, the old, the old fashioned sort of phrase would be a conversation. You get an exchange of, of blows. There's a sense of timing and flow about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a relatively short and violent conversation, to be fair, but, um, saber. Yeah, so that's, that's good. Yeah. But with so, saber, it seems to be very one dimensional. 
one or two actions and it's over. One or two actions and it's over constantly. Mm-hmm. And there isn't any real. I don't want to say there's no tactics because that's not what I mean. What I mean is it feels much more like an instinctive game rather than one which everyone is. There is some sort of tactical forth that goes on. It's more like you have tic tac toe, pick the right move, make the right response, yeah. make the right move, make the right response. You know. Anyway, I'm still not sold on Men's Saber as a result. Okay, well, I'm going to persevere with it since mm-hmm. uh, you're you're clearly not going to embrace <laughs> uh, becoming any sort of uh, commentator on on Men's Saber. So I'm, uh, I'm going to persevere. So maybe maybe the more I watch, the, the better understanding I'll have. It's changed it. times because I used to be a big fan of Men's Saber. Mm-hmm. I really did. Used to used to always rave about watching at the World Championships. Yeah, because I used to find it quite sort of dynamic and interesting. And obviously, two big guys shouting at each other and demanding that their hit is quite entertaining. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, to, you know, like there's lights going off, everyone shouting at everyone else, uh, the referee shrugging his shoulders. It's high drama, and I love it. But now it just feels kind of, I don't know, again, give them lightsabers or something, yeah, make no, it so. more interesting. <laughs> I don't know what it was. What sharpened blades? What? You, uh, you, I don't know. You yeah, exactly. Bloody chunks in the ground or something. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, that was that was so Grand Prix. Yeah, women's was good. Yeah, I'm okay. not feeling love quite so much, okay. but maybe, maybe that's just me. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the more sort of devoted, devoted uh, saber audience thought it was great. And uh, yeah, I mean, Kim is a is a magnificent painter. Well, no okay, her. yeah. So anyway, that's enough enough saber for today, Gav. You, you can you can take, take can a we, breath. Can we let rip on the uh, Budapest Grand Prix now? Uh, yeah, go on then. Yeah, so that, so obviously the Budapest Grand Prix is one of our the, the big epi events uh, in the year. It's one of the sort of traditional, popular ones from uh, on the calendar, like Heidenheim. And, mm-hmm. And now obviously we've got the Europeans now as well, and obviously the World Championships are going to be in Europe this year, so it was quite a big event. So I watched quite a bit of it, and I rewatched a little bit just for this. I've got some uh, notes to hand for it. Um, I actually I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought the, the men's event in particular was very strong this uh, this year. It was won by uh, uh, Jensen Jung of Korea. Yeah. So what we've had four four senior World Cups and well, five senior World Cups and Grand yep. Prix so far. Uh, four Korean winners, four, four, different, four different Korean winners, and they're all very different fencers. Yeah, so I, I quite, I quite like uh, John. I think we've, we've talked about him before. Well, he's, he's been around for quite a long time. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I was having a look at his rankings, mm-hmm. and he's either right up there or, or he's not. absolutely nowhere. Yeah, and his his ranking just seems to go up and down like a yo-yo over the last decade or something. Yeah. he's not a youngster, is he? He's about early thirties. Yeah, he is his early thirties. Yeah, uh, and just great. He's French, he's a French gripper and. He's a very physical French gripper. He's kind of big. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like the sort of gangly, traditional uh, French gripper people talk about. And his opponent uh, in the final was uh, Minobi of Japan, obviously. I'm a massive fan of Minobi. You are, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like so I'll do with my, my Japanese epis right now. And so he's kind of be much more of a traditional French gripping sort of style. He's a tall guy, quite, quite gangly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was actually quite a good, quite entertaining final, I thought. There's quite a lot going on. The, the two the two fences are really up for it all the way through. I just I, I really really enjoyed it. Uh, I, there wasn't any particular hits or anything that I think I would actually sort of I'd like to kind of sort of go through. But I did think that Minobu was working a bit too hard for not enough reward. Right, like classic epi would be you work you do no work yeah. and get all the points. Less That's, is more. Yeah, less is more. Whereas Minobu looked like he was really working hard for the points. Uh, but Young was just all over him. As soon as he twitched, he was getting hit, and it was quite a comfortable win. It was fifteen uh, nine to the Korean. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds uh, pretty straightforward. Unless it was a rush of hits at the end. Yeah, and now so if you move back into the semis for a second, well, who did we have in the who did we have in the in the semis? Well, we had one of our favourite Koreans, Park. Which yeah, one? K Park. Uh, Kyung Kyung Park was okay. Our, so was the other park. Yeah, not the yeah the other park. 
Not the other park. Yeah. Who's the other park? But the park. The main one. Uh, he actually went up again. No, no, Sangyong. Oh, Sangyong, sorry, is our Sang main park. park. Yeah. That's what I mean. So, Gyeongdu Park is, is the other park. Yeah. Now, this is quite a memorable semi-final because, in a sense, it was dreadful. <laughs> but in the other sense, it was brilliant. It's kind of, I don't know how I feel about this one. Right, gonna, brilliant, brilliant in its dreadfulness. Or... Brilliant. Oh, it started off, and neither fencer wanted to fence the other, the, his opponent. Yeah. Uh, so Manobi gets uh, one, let's see if I can remember this correctly. Manobi gets one hit, mm. and then neither fencer wants to fence for three periods. <laughs> which meant that everybody had to sit through roughly three minutes. Is it three minutes, roughly? Yeah. Ish, of two fencers standing, bouncing around in front of each other, not doing anything. And then they have a golden, then obviously it goes to the golden hit, mm-hmm. with Manobi having priority. Right. And we go from him being 1-0 up, yep. to him winning 10-all. Oh, God. Now, it was, don't get me wrong, it was a terrific one-minute offensive, <laughs> right? Because Manobi took the lead, it got up to, let's see if I can remember, it went up to 5-3, mm-hmm. Park fought his way back into it, and levelled the score at either 5-all or 6-all. And then there was just a flurry of hits, flurry of hits, flurry of hits to about to, to nine all. Uh-huh. Uh, Park lost was basically went to. Oh, sorry, let me go back a little bit. It's a flurry of hits. All right. Park comes up. Uh, Park comes gets within one point uh-huh. with one and a half seconds on the clock and is still <laughs> going for it. Right. And it was a tremendous one minute of epi fencing. Uh-huh. But that's all you got was a terrific one minute. Yeah. And we got we had to go through three minutes to get to it. Now the interesting thing is that our our co-commentator, the the, the you know they always have an expert these days yep. uh, in the box was Paolo Pizzo, and he made the same observation which I've been making, which well, is this is terrible. Why don't we just go on with it? Yeah, exactly. He says that I would prefer to he himself he actually said I would prefer that we we just got on with it and made a decision earlier on because it was decided in the minute we could have had that first minute in the first period it would have made no difference. Mm-hmm. So why not just do that? Yeah. And you've made this observation that the Swiss use the passivity rule as a bit of a combat uh, effect, where they they basically kill the squash the game for three periods, yeah. and then throw everything at it in the final minute, mm-hmm. and it's a win or lose situation. I am still kind of not sold on this as a tactic because you could just do that in the first minute, yeah, and all you've done is waste your energy for three minutes. That's literally all you've done. You've well, not- quite often what you've done for that few minutes is just bounce up and down in the sport, so it doesn't take up. Uh, uh, a whole whole amount of energy to do that, I suppose. True, that's very true. But yeah, it's extremely tedious yeah. to watch. The other semi final was actually really good, and that was against uh, Andrea Santorella, a European, you know, getting a toehold there in the in the final <laughs> yeah. four of the uh, <laughs> of Grand Prix. But it was uh, Andrea Santorelli versus uh, versus Young, and it was actually just really entertaining. I mean, uh, Young was all over the all over the guy, and he eventually triumphed fifteen ten. There was some absolutely just it was just tremendous fencing. I mean. There was one hit just at the end of the, the, end of the period where Young hits uh, Santorelli in the foot with a uh, with a, a low line attack with a with a deception, which you should really go out and seek it, seek, right. watch that particular hit because it was actually a terrific hit. Uh, so that was really really good. I really enjoyed the men's. Cool. So uh, women's. The women's one. Well, the women's one. It was okay. Uh, I watched a few. I wa- obviously I watched this at the same time as well. Overall, it was won by Fiamingo. Okay. Uh, and she was up against uh, Njiong Choi of Korea. Uh, but it wasn't the most exciting of finals. I mean, it was, there was stuff happening. It was, passivity was called for the first period. It wasn't very much happening. But there wasn't very much that wasn't happening at the same time. It was one of those fights where it was kind of always in the middle. In the middle, nothing. No one was really stamping their authority on it until the very last second. Right. Uh, and they just eked out over three periods until eventually uh, Fiamingo actually just became dominant and won. Okay, but it took a while to happen. It took a while to happen. And it wasn't the most exciting. Uh, I mean, Choi beat uh, Julia uh, Julia Believa 
of uh, Estonia mm-hmm. in the previous round, thirteen ten. Again, it wasn't the most exciting. Right. Uh, again, it wasn't there wasn't anything happening. It was just a case of uh, just lots of middle, 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 middle. Nobody, and then it just ended thirteen ten. Uh, and then uh, Fiamengo she beat uh, Ayaka Shimokawa. I hope I got that right. Of Japan, obviously, I like the Japanese. She's this is one of those ones where there was quite a big height difference. Fiamengo's reasonably tall, yeah, and uh, Shimokawa is quite short. Right. And I had that kind of dominance where, you know, Fiamengo just looked like she was in control. But the the, the, the Japanese fans have a lot of movement and sort of interest yeah, about her. But it just wasn't up to, spe- up to spec against Fiamengo. Right. You know, and, those, and really, I mean, those, that, that, that was the most exciting thing. If we look back in some of the earlier rounds, though, we did see some strange results. Uh, in the last day, there was, uh, I don't, uh, it was uh, Man Kong of Hong Kong uh, against uh, Bell Yeva, and that finished 9-8. So, so uh, there was a, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on, and I, I, to be honest with you, it wasn't a very memorable event. Women's Epi one, it was fine. It mm. wasn't boring all the way through, uh, but it was just a run of the mill yeah. Grand Prix event. People turned up the fence and they won it, um, but not not a thriller. Not a thriller, but it was fine. It was okay. Well, actually, the other thing I was going to mention about the men's as well um, mm-hmm. are plus fencer on the planet, not last time but the time before from Cuba. Yes. Oh, he was there, was he not? Yeah, made it to Budapest. So, um, to add to his his two existing World Cup results, um, he made it made a top sixteen in Budapest. Um, That's right. I, I, he's he's in your race for Yeah, and it was Paolo Pizzo as well was talking about this. He was nobody's seen this guy obviously at all. Yeah, and literally nobody's seen this guy. Now everybody has to deal with him. And he was saying that it's been a bit of an eye opening experience for them all because the, this guy's come out of nowhere from Cuba. And has beaten everyone. Yeah. And everyone is now looking at this guy wondering how, how, how do we are, deal with this? Yeah. What is this guy and how do we deal with him? And it was it's been such a surprise to them that they have actually started to take note of this guy. All right. So it'd be interesting. I have been trying to get hold of him, I haven't got hold of him yet. Yeah, it's been uh, tricky, isn't it? It's been yeah. tricky, he's in Cuba. So I'm gonna keep trying and I, I really even if it means we just get a written report back from him, I'd be really curious to actually hear his thoughts and his experience now that he's been let loose on the big stage. Yeah. Yes, no. I was, it was uh, I was delighted to see that uh, he was he was there in the entry list and uh, right, yeah. and producing a result as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not not quite up there with his uh, his win in the zonals and uh, second in Vancouver, but um, still thoroughly respectable and moves him moves him into the top sixteen. And yeah. that's the top sixteen in the world rankings. It still includes the the ghosts of Christmas past in uh, Emery and mm-hmm. Groomy as well. So yeah. effectively, he's up to about thirteenth in the world with with few and results. And he was beaten by Freelich of Israel, right? Uh, so Freelich, uh, sorry, I misread. <laughs> That's a little bit of a no. Sorry, we beat by Yannick Burrell. Sorry, I misread my notes there. Okay. Uh, he was beat, beat, beat comfortably by uh, by Yannick. It was a uh, fifteen six. Ah, okay. So was that was a comfortable dribbling, really there. So I think Yannick's probably done a lot of research before he went on there. Yeah. But interestingly enough, it was uh, Yannick uh, was beat by Bonobi fifteen fourteen. So ah, okay. So, one, so again, another one where um, uh, Burrell is is. Close, but not 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 quite, quite getting there, to the winner. Right Based on terrific form, considering his uh, his age. Yeah, <laughs> that's very harsh. Yeah, yes, seventy eight. Um, so, uh, and I think that's all that I've really got to say about the the Budapest Grand Prix. Okay, well, fair enough. Oh, I, I was going to point out actually that it was very well presented. Yeah, no, actually, no. I quite enjoyed it. Again, I think the FIE are getting on top of this, and it, it was very well presented. I didn't have any problems with it or anything like that. Yeah, Grand Prix looked good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that about covers it for the fencing action. So as I mentioned at the, at the very start, uh, I, I caught up with one of my, well, sort of my coaching heroes, I suppose, the other weekend, uh, Jamek Wojciechowski, uh, speaking to me at the Liam Paul Centre in London. And here's what he had to say. Jamek, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Uh, pleasure, real pleasure to, to, to be with you here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so as I mentioned in the, the introduction that we did in the, the main part of the 
the podcast. Um, I've described your your achievements, but I want to take you back to your uh, your sort of earliest memories. You were you were born post war in, in Gdansk. Yes. So so what was it like growing up in in post war Poland? Uh, post war Poland. Well, everything was really tough. Uh, very often. Uh, uh, we didn't have enough, uh, frankly, enough proper food. We have to queue for various things like sugar and uh, bread sometimes, you know. Uh, and uh, mother sometimes was in, wasn't able to uh, to give us, you know, proper dinner. So it was like a little bit improvisation. There, there was this kind of uh, feeling, you know, because after, after straight after the war, it was a real hardship in in in, in, in Poland. And uh, and obviously things gradu- gradually gradually improve. And my dad got uh, because my parents were in concentration camp in Siberia because they were fighting for uh, home army and then they had been detained by Rus- by Russians, you yeah. know. And and then they after three and a half years they they came and they found my my granddad who had three houses in in Lviv, which is now Soviet or Ukraine yeah. it used to be Soviet Union. Uh, he got a in exchange flat, you know, big flat in, in Gdańsk. Which uh, my 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 mother found him there, and uh, she was already pregnant with me, so she gave birth in this flat, and I uh, always come was coming uh, for for holiday there as a little kid. But my when I was two, my father moved to Warsaw, and he found uh, some jo- job in Warsaw. But we always had uh, grandparents there, and uh, it was kind of family holiday always in Gdańsk. So kind of two towns which are yeah. very close to me, Warsaw and Gdańsk. Probably Gdańsk more 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 closer. It's a beautiful city, very old, and yeah. Scottish. Scottish people uh, were employed to um, to protect the Scottish regiment was employed in okay. the past to, to protect uh, because it was free city mm-hmm. sometimes German sometimes free changing hands you know and uh, so quite a lot of Scots actually settled there and there's a place called New Scotland Nova Scotia Nova yeah. Scotia New Scotland you know so so there is some kind of element of of, the, of, of Scottish culture there oh, I didn't know that this is what Princess Anne told me when I was in Olympic Games 1996 uh, sitting and watching it was with Fiona McIntosh again mm-hmm. I was watching Sabre uh, James Williams was fencing, and uh, someone asking Princess Anne wants to uh, wants you to you know uh, comment on the fight. So she, I sat next to her, and and then uh, she looked at the book and she said, "Oh, you are from Gdańsk. Did you know that Scottish regiment? I, I didn't know uh, before. You know that only after chatting to Princess Anne when I was." Talking about the uh, saber belt of uh, James Williams. Yes. Well, you've got to take her as a reliable source, I suppose. Yes, I yeah. think so. So, uh, so when did, when did you start fencing? How well, you... I was, uh, you know, my my father was always uh, first to to get something like uh, new things, new model. And I remember that they just started producing um, uh, eleven inches black and white televisions, and he got one. Uh, we were first in the in the in the block of flats with mm. television, and we always had a queue of people coming to see <laughs> various programs like. Particular theater, you know, on Thursday after, you know, evening was uh, criminal theater called Cobra and people were walking, yeah. knocking and we have a chess, a few rows of chairs <laughs> and it was amazing. So we were first with black and white small screen, can you mm-hmm. imagine? And it was so, so amazing to see, uh, various production. Uh, there was Zorro every week, uh, King, King Arthur and, and yeah. Knights of Round Table, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and I was just so excited to see squash battling, you know, yeah. f- fighting on the, on the screen. I was jumping away. 
on the playground and trying to to do something with kids, you know. And my dad, my dad noticed that that I'm really excited about fighting with the, with the sticks. And and then the, one of his uh, officers in his army, because he was commander of Fourth Brigade, my father was uh, uh, Ma- Major Koprowski was fencing instructor, and he came to visit my parents. And I remember he gave me first lesson with sticks, mm-hmm. sticks which you support uh, uh, my mother, mom, mom t- t- support tomatoes in oh, the garden. Yes, uh, yes <laughs> wooden yeah. stick. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he was saber lesson. He just quint, cut. Uh, I was hitting him, protect, protecting them. So this was kind of my first lesson. And then he took me to uh, actually um, to show me. He, uh, Major Koprowski was working in a particular club. One club in Central Warsaw, and he showed me his his saber lessons mm-hmm. because he just did saber, and was I was so excited to see such a fast movement of blade, footwork, excite, exciting for me, and I said, Dad, I really want to do it. And so Father found a club nearby where we were uh, living in Mokotów in Warsaw, and there was two two stops by trolley bus, was well, an electric bus, you know, the tram, something called mm-hmm. tram to stop. And little walk, so eventually I started walking. There was I. I started with three times a week with a group about maybe twenty-five beginners, whatever, with different age group because kind of improvisation. We didn't have any equipment; it was just yeah. games. And for about six months, we didn't get a foil in hand. Right. For six months, just games and footwork, and quite a lot of gave up. Yeah. Eventually, we got a foil, and eventually. I was the only one who stays from that group uh, and carry on because I just wanted so much. And and then um, I moved um, when I was kind of, after three years of training, I managed to, to win silver medal in under 20 championships with Fre- French grip. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think, uh, 1967, something. Like that. And then things like my coach had to go and change the jobs and then, you know, and I... Uh, notice uh, that uh, you know uh, ah, Professor Tchaikovsky was national coach uh, uh, for uh, for uh, for men's foil at that time, and uh, I talked to him. Can I just uh, come and watch, and maybe maybe you can give me five minutes lesson? Yeah. So I was going all the way across Warsaw to watch national squad training, and then g- get my t- my ten minutes from very tired Tchaikovsky right yeah. at the end, and then going back. So this was kind of stuff. I was uh, for one year. He was really very kind to me mm-hmm. to to still find time because I was so keen to learn. Yeah. And uh, and then I I start working with a fantastic coach who become national coach as well, Mr. Skrudlik, who who was um, the, behind the two gold medals in yeah. Munich because there was Vidal Voidas individual and the team was gold medal. So he gave me fantastic uh, lessons and he took over me and I moved to AZS Warsaw. And about, but that, that one I had to go across Warsaw, which took took about thirty minutes. Right. Uh, which for me it was uh, ages, ages, But now when we travel in London, one half hour yeah, is just, not normality. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> anyway, know, this is how, yeah. how it started. Yes, great. And and your international career, um, you, when did you start? Uh, oh well, I was uh, eventually. You no, know, I was always. I was growing up. Um, in the shadow of of stars, real stars like Vital yeah. Voida, like Egon Frank, Olympic champion, nineteen sixty four, uh, you know, uh, uh, also uh, Jerzy Kaczmarek was world youth champion, mm-hmm. Lech Kosiowski, world youth champion, 
Marek Dąbrowski silver medalist in world championships in yeah. Vienna 1971. You know this kind of people. Yeah, I, go, I, I was Nira, always go I was always this number number four <laughs> or number five. You know, right. and there was obviously Parulski and. Uh, Voida, these two are really, really fantastic uh, uh, fencers, and then these youngsters and myself. So I, I kind of always was uh, slightly one, one step be behind the team, and uh, and and I just. Uh, but I was working really, really hard, and uh, somehow uh, I had a, a bit of a couple of wobbles, but I, I something kept me going, mm -hmm. and eventually. Eventually, I became the best foilist in Poland. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I overtook, uh, you know, Witold Boyda retired, and uh, Kaczmarek and Kozjowski, Nobrowski kept going, but I overtook them in the in the later stages, in, in yeah. early 70s. First time in 74, I came fourth in the World Championships, yeah. etc. But I had a very long journey, because till about 73, I was always getting to around 24, last 24, last 32, yeah. last 48, but my 20, ceiling was 24. I just couldn't go over 24 yeah. and suddenly in 1973 I was tired of getting out always <laughs> in 24 <laughs> and I had a pool of four I have a two world champions Noel in Stankovic mm -hmm. and I have one uh, number of the German uh, uh, vessel but not Fritz Vessel not double world champion but his brother right. who was number of kind of four in the team and I thought oh I can beat him, but this two champion, I, no way I can do. I mean, I, I was just trying to, to uh, you know. But I, I lost first fight to Vessel, and I have a two world champions defense. Yeah, and I said, <laughs> if not now, then when? To <laughs> yeah. myself, I just went for it, you know. Uh, and with the focus, and I just some somehow happened that I beat this two two, two world champion. I, I got qualification, and this gave me tremendous boost. That yeah, that you victory. And I just flew to the final, and the final got a little bit maybe tired, overwhelmed with this 3,000 people watching Rommel finals. Rommel, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when I came third, ever since from that moment, I was always getting regularly two, two minimum two finals and last 16 at least. Yeah. And then, then later on, uh, they put to us uh, the kind of uh, gave us uh, performance target mm -hmm. in order to be in Olympic Group A, which gets gives you a monthly double average salary very monthly. Good. Very yeah. good. You have to out of five chances because mm -hmm. those days were very few competitions. Yeah. Not like, like now. You have eight plus Europeans yeah. plus well yeah. now yeah. those days. There were, if I remember rightly, no Europeans, right. uh, and just Weld and the plus five A grades or yeah. something like that. So out of these five, you have to make two, 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 two uh, top uh, top six, right. and one top sixteen, right. a minimum. Yeah. And if you prove yourself for next year, you earn uh, this uh, Olympic, you will be Olympic Group yeah. A. So, so I had to do it. I mean, it was, yeah. it was quite a strong motivational <laughs> factor, yeah. which, which I which uh, kept me going. But equally that. The fact that I make top th top three mm -hmm. uh, gives me that that belief, confidence I can do it, and yeah. expectation as well. And so there was a big uh, kind of uh, breakthrough. So sometimes fences do need to have uh, that just one result, and then it's yeah. metamorphosis so changes. Metamorphosis, yeah. I become a different man yeah. from that moment. Yeah. So that was my career, international career, and I was uh, from that moment. I was really always. In top 10 uh, rank in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, my highest rank was 1976. I was number three mm -hmm. rank. Yeah. And then 1978, I was number nine, but still the highest Polish Polish fencer. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, the the reason, uh, you know, one of the reasons maybe I uh, I was keen to come to Britain mm-hmm. in 1971, still communist, is that the the selectors, my coach went to Japan somewhere, uh, you know, right. for making money and. Uh, two younger coaches changed and they, 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 they didn't like me because I was right. kind of, it was a little bit uh, like that. So they, they, they didn't select me, you know, and I decided, uh, and then, and same time, uh, uh, Nick Halstead wanted me to come to Britain because Bob Anderson went to Hollywood. Yeah. Vic Leniado in Sao Paul had a stroke. Right. Uh, who is going to coach, you know? <laughs> and I, I, I kind of were fed up with establishment yeah. and the same time opportunities. They want me to, to go there to Britain. So I just went like on holiday. Right. Otherwise, and then I just, uh, you know, uh, never went back. <laughs> uh, never went back. And when I, uh, when I asked me to uh, coach uh, British team in uh, 1979 Melbourne Championships, mm-hmm. my Polish passport expired. So I went to embassy, say, look, I, I would like to carry on working. I've got a fantastic opportunity. Like for a few years work and I come back to Poland later on and they say, no, no, we won't extend your passport. You are not going to Melbourne, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they took my passport away. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so I said to Mary Glenn Hagen, Nick Halstead, uh, look, I don't have passport. I'm stateless. What should I, how can I? <laughs> so they, yeah. they fixed for me a certificate of identity. Which allowed me to travel. Yeah. I had to have visa, but I was stateless, but I was able to travel. So I, I was traveling uh, to uh, Australia with this certificate. Uh, for the next six years, I was stateless. Oh, yes, six yes. years? Wow. Six, six, six years. Before I uh, applied for British citizenship uh, yeah. by naturalization, yeah. uh, which I got. And uh, then I had British passport. And then when things in Poland settled, uh, I just uh, came back and they gave me passport back, you know, Polish okay. passport back. You know. And was it always your intention to to stay in Britain when you when you first came over and started working here? Was did, did that feel no like, no no my first like a permanent move? No no no, my first intention really was uh, to um, to to do some coaching to to uh, obviously to earn some money and uh, and 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 see how I'm getting on in this uh, this coaching role and uh, and it was uh, you know it was getting very I was getting very uh, good uh, how to say uh, my first few years were just like explosion of enthusiasm interest uh, hard yeah. training it was very well, uh, you know. Yeah, very well received. Very, very well received. Yes, because you know what I decided. Of course, uh, that uh, I have to put uh, emphasis on on the footwork was disaster. You know, <laughs> physical preparation disaster, technical preparation not very good. Uh, so I emphasize footwork and physical preparation. So I was doing like four training sessions. Uh, we started forty five minutes with 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 the. Athletic exercises for coordination yeah. plus footwork and then fencing and then, uh, you know, uh, you know, f- 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 lessons and fencing. Yeah. And when, when people were late, I was refusing to give them lessons. Yeah. So they were always on time. Late yeah. So it was kind of, kind of good method. Yeah. So I think a lot of this was, uh, very new to British fencers. This was you know, a, a real shock to their, their system. It's something yes. I hadn't really come across before. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But it was, uh, it was uh, received with great, enth- great enthusiasm because I, you know, I, I believe in hard work and I, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I can't, uh, you know, can't imagine a different way. And, yeah. and uh, footwork was my, the best, uh, probably, um, 
weapon, really. I had yeah. a, uh, when I won Coppa Giovannini in Bologna, the, the, the person who writes he said that, that Polacco, such and such, has got the best footwork in the world. I've got this written down by yeah. some kind of, you know, people. So I was, I was uh, able to, uh, to um, give it back a little bit. And yeah. the people with the, just by improving really footwork and physical fitness and a bit of obviously fencing, they already start making kind of noticeable in, in results, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, the setup was that I was giving lessons during the day in Land Paul Center on top uh, yeah. in Holborn, uh, squad people coming for lesson. And then uh, afternoon, I was going to, uh, to, to the club. Uh, Sal Paul three times a week and one time in the Belmont Center was the club was squad training yeah and uh, and then I introduced some weekends as well uh, because we have more weekends free because uh, yeah, slightly less competitions yeah. and then I introduced the uh, training camps in Penzance Linda Martin's yeah. dad had got friend who Mr. Manning who was running a YMCA in Penzance and he he organized for us fantastic uh, you know, there was lovely gym and I did really very hard trainings. We get up in the morning, running on the beach like chariots of fire. Then, <laughs> then uh, having uh, footwork, and then breakfast, and then the fencing again, lessons, and all. All you know, it was really, really very exciting, and it was quite a lot of, uh, uh, you know, enthusiasm and interest. And so Donny Mackenzie used to go there. Yeah. Depends Did on. you find making the transition from being a fencer to to becoming a coach kind of almost, almost an instant jump of working with well. Well, perhaps the standard wasn't yeah, yeah. high, but kind of the best in the Yeah, basically, in the country. Uh, transition was um, quite easy. Uh, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I had some experience co- coaching in Poland. I had, uh, I started a young group in my AZS Warsaw club. I was, uh, you know, trained to be coach. I mm. take some, uh, you know, um, courses, you know, I finished Academy of Physical Education and yeah. within that I had to pass all three weapons how to coach all the three weapons yeah. with the people who are in charge and also I went for 90 hours uh, very intensive coaching course in Poland for Olympic coaches but overall across all, all across all um, uh, disciplines oh, yeah. discipline. but there was Professor Tchaikovsky lecturing there about uh, fencing and I then spent lots of time with Professor Tchaikovsky as well when I was already in Britain I was visiting him in Ireland when he came and yeah. we discussed I spent lots of times with various coaches of course because it's permanent education and permanent yeah. education you always wants to you know improve and always wants to be hungry that's the only way to to be to be good in anything in yes. coaching go back no no problem so yeah. that was uh, so transition wasn't that good however however you know you uh, you you learn you learn I learn great deal while uh, yeah, I'm always still learning still yeah. learning but I learn great deal why why being uh, being uh, you know already a coach uh, yeah. in, in Britain I, w- I wouldn't coach the same way uh, now yeah. as I was coaching uh, 30 uh, eight years ago, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Oh my God! When you came, that's First, first of all, uh, there was different, uh, slightly way of fencing. It was mm. a marathon fencing. You know, first yeah. round, second round, third round, then the repassage. By the time you get to final, next day over two days. Yeah, uh, you, you, it was different, different type of fencing, and also interpretation of rules has changed. Equipment has changed. Timing, you know, all this. You know, so obviously, we have yeah, to well, sort of evolution uh, of the sport over the years. Yeah. Yes, things are changing yeah. slightly. Yes. Um, so, 
you've kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, I think, when I, I was going to ask you, you know, do you have a, a coaching philosophy? Do you have sort of certain ideas that are, are central to the way that you coach and things that you, you emphasize with the fences that you work with? Oh, yes, yes. I, I obviously, during the, the CS, I, I try to kind of gather all information, what works, what doesn't, and formulate, formulate some kind of principles, which helps me with my coaching, everyday coaching. And uh, there are numerous principles concerned, obviously, concern uh, pure coaching, concern uh, training, and concern performance. Performance. So, uh, you know, I I am going to run coaching course end of August in here. So yeah. I'm going to talk about in details. But uh, generally speaking, you know, I know I can talk for hours about about yeah. principles. But uh, maybe just to uh, you know give you, give you, give you an example. One of one of the principles which I try to uh, to, to to follow is just the, the the fencer has to go first. Interest of fencer is the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, interest of, personal interest of coach should be pushed away because yeah. very often coaches put their own interest first, and the fencer is just a tool. Yeah, to, 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 and that's wrong philosophy. Yeah. That's wrong attitude approach. Mm-hmm. So I try to always respect fences' needs. Always when you know, always uh, put ahead the, 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 his 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 whatever he needs. It's the most important, rather than what I need. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 to be self selfless, really. Yeah, coaching is selfless. Coaching is giving, and uh, and of course, the paying attention on uh, kind of. Uh, uh, d- development, you know, in kind of pure coaching, lesson development, feeling of uh, distance all the time. You coach mustn't forget about development, that feeling of distance. Distance has to be, f- you know, c- f- felt really sharp, like yeah. feeling of time, uh, paying attention on reacting, starting action, finishing on time, n- not accepting uh, later stages out of time action because yeah. it's, it's always too late repos or too early or too, you started too soon or too fast. Emphasizing things like slow beginning of preparation of attack, rather small preparation, rather than big, yeah. obviously. All, all these things which contribute towards effective fencing, which over the, yeah, so, so I try to this and the very actions in the same situation, same tactical situation. If you expect situations, then you don't do always one, one, one thing. You try to teach people different alternatives, at least two alternatives. So opponent yeah. is not sure. Of course, whenever, we are taken by surprise. We'll always react one way, unfortunately. Yeah. And this will apply to opponent. If you can know yeah, how opponent reacts, them, when, when surprise them, when, when you surprise them, you can. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's uh, many, many others. Uh, you know, principles like uh, efficiency, effective efficiency. I try to emphasize execution of fencing actions as as efficient as possible, as well coordinated as possible. Uh, you know, uh, with change of speed, change of rhythm, avoiding same rhythm, yeah, same no, no, no predictability. No, predi- exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's remember, many, many other things I, like I that. I remember the first time I did I'd probably been about, I think, eighteen for the first time I got I got, I got a lesson from you mm-hmm. at, a, at a training camp at the De Beaumont Centre. Uh, quite a few years in the now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I couldn't, I, I couldn't quite get over the sort of precision that you you looked for in. When when was the right thing? You know, I thought, well, that's 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 okay. And you said, no, that's that's a little too late, or not quite. Then, did you feel that you went too soon or too fast? And it's like all, all these sort of details that I, I really hadn't been aware of before. And it was a real eye opener for me. The mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, precision FM really is the, the thing I'm I think maybe for. Uh, maybe every extreme is no good. Maybe I'm a little bit too precise, too detailed. But I love I love that kind of side because I used to be a little bit a scientist, you know, like yeah. like exact, you know. Uh, I I I think paying attention to details is mm. another principle of of of, of performance because the difference between winning and losing is very small, isn't it? Yeah. So if we pay attention to the details, then we will be a uh, very you know in strong position. Like for instance. Developing sharp eye, sharp perception, seeing difference between beginning of attack and beginning of preparation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have that sensitivity over that, then you can win lots of moments. Yeah. Uh, feeling the difference between beginning of preparatory beat and, and beginning of real beat, for yeah. instance. So, as you know, after preparatory beat, if you immediately attack direct or counterattack, even what else got attack direct times, mm-hmm. then it's very often effective because one don't expect this preparatory. Yeah. He thinks he just found the blade. And it's just counterintuitive. Counter- you want to find late back, but yeah. not. You can actually it's go really, direct, yeah. providing that you read it correctly. Yeah, so the sharpness of perception, seeing that those small differences, in my opinion, is very, very, very crucial in my, you know, paying attention to this in my coaching philosophy. And of course, of course, uh, feeling, you know, feeling of the blade, feeling through proper receptors, not only eyes sharp, but also feel, mm-hmm. particularly when it's deficit of time. You, you have to rely on, on feel. And, uh, and I think there's something in it more in foil than in Epp and Saber. Uh, that, that extra feel, yeah, proper so sensation. Yeah. Yes, because, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that, that's kind yeah. of stuff. Certainly in the, in the way that, um, to some modesty that I've, I've modeled my own coaching on yours, uh, that, that feel for, for the blade is, is something that I've, I've looked at what you do more than, more than any other coach that I've, I've ever worked with or, or seen, because I think it's a, uh, an almost unteachable attribute to, for, for a coach. I mean, you can practice and improve, of course, but mm-hmm. I think your, uh, your, your play sensitivity when giving lessons is, is fantastic. It's a, a joy for me to watch, which mm, is why, why, why I enjoy watching your, watching your lessons so much. Um, aside from a coach's attributes, when, when, when you're coaching and working with, with fencers, what attributes do you look for in, in fencer? In fencer, uh, well, um, what I do is, I, I, I think what I w- would like, uh, maybe to see fencers being <laughs> more professional, being professional. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, being, knowing how to properly warm up, warm up, warm down, uh, being always on time. Uh, in fact, always come before time and not waste time. So for instance, it's not, it's not hanging around and chatting. Which is nice. Fencer <laughs> should self-perfect. We use this time to perfect, like, like hitting, launching pads, perfect uh, point control, or doing footwork, or doing some stretching, doing something useful before actually his lesson starts or, yeah. or the whole session starts. And uh, and I would like to see this. I would like to see that hunger, not to be afraid to show that I want to get better. Mm-hmm. I'm because when I when I. When I took lesson from, when I give Richard Cruz lesson first time, I could feel this hunger. I could feel that engagement. And this really lifted me up. Yeah, it's exciting feeling. And, yeah. and if you have, you have a guy like that who really wants, uh, and you can feel it, it's yeah. just contagious and you just give him even more of your, and he energizes yeah. you that yeah. way. And similar things I've got with Alex Chupanich. Right. Yeah. Yes. When he, when he takes less, he just gives me absolutely everything. 110%. He always wants to do more than he can. Yeah. And this is so inspiring, you know, for the coach yeah. to have this kind of students and Richard Cruz as well. And 
Sam, so what, this is what I would like to see, that, uh, that, that uh, openness with, with uh, not cover, not trying to pretend that you don't, 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 don't care, you're just, you are just a cool guy, you know. <laughs> no, show, uh, show that uh, you want to get yeah, better. And, this, and, this and, and be, passion and for it. Yeah. Passion, passion, that's right. And attribute, I want uh, also obviously make fences to use as much as possible thinking and, and in, in, intellectually kind of engage intellectually into, 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 into their process of uh, training as well as perfecting themselves as well. And, and, and develop that desire to, 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 to win, strong desire to win, but with focusing obviously on process, what to do to win, being in, you know, focusing how to, get there but he must know where to get because mm. so so it's good to have a outcome goal yeah. but you have to focus on process how yes, get there. Yes. that's that's the, that's the key yeah if you follow the process well and yeah. you understand what the process is yeah. then yeah come only having the outcome goal and not knowing how to get there you could you could go anywhere yeah you might be lucky and hit it but yeah yeah not always <laughs> Okay, so if you had, if I had to ask you to give a bit of advice um, for for coaches on mm-hmm. what their what their focus should be, what, yeah, their, well, what their process should be, if you like, and and also uh, advice for fencers, mm-hmm. I, I suppose you kind of covered it in to some extent, to some, yes, but yeah. maybe maybe re- reinforce this uh, that uh, that both c- coaches and fencers really should uh, should should should. Develop or approach their sport, and this should be really natural. They shouldn't force themselves, but to to really to to to, to passion, to have a passion and joy and enjoyment and passion of doing this, participating in the even in the highest level and like Olympic Games, it should be still still passion and enjoyment rather than kind of uh, threat or uh, something negative, you mm-hmm. know, fear of. Not delivering result or something like that, yeah. fear of losing, you know, that's, that, that's, that's negative, that's disaster. So I think, I think turning negative emotions, recognizing them into positive emotions as much as possible, because that's energy, it's just how you turn this yeah. into the right direction. And, uh, and inter- obviously, as I say, intellectual engagement and, and as, as, as I say, focusing as much as possible, possible process of, of, of being there, being in a moment, being yeah. in a moment during the performance, yes. And, uh, you know, and, uh, constantly, constantly be hungry for uh, self-perfecting. So p- striving to perfect your mastery all the time, focus on getting better. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be, don't be happy with status quo. Never yeah. be happy with status quo. If you can make this, that, uh, that, uh, stay that hungry all the time, then, uh, then that's great. That's not always possible because sometimes people <laughs> get yeah. a little bit complacent. Yes. Yeah. So so so, so 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 you, you reach a certain level, you might think, oh, I'm quite good now. Yeah. And, and some people are satisfied with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it depends. You know, you have to set yourself constantly higher, higher ceilings, if you like. And also, same that complacency after scoring. Sometimes, you know, this. Sometimes when you score a touch in competition, you're a little bit quite happy with yourself, and you just kind of for a moment. Uh, kind of relax, yeah. and then opponent hits you. Then you work hard, yeah. <laughs> and then instead of straight away, next yeah, one, next one, and this this habit as well. I try to develop in, in France to so focus immediately after you score. Focus on next one. Focus next one. You know, next touch because uh, just level, rather analyze. Oh, okay, oh I, I just score fine. What a wonderful touch I scored. Yeah. No, no, just, <laughs> 
no, 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 no time. Not just one. Go get some more. Yes, yeah. yes. Anyway, and many, many others. Obviously, character of development, quality of characters, like uh, you know, um, like you know, being courageous, being uh, you know, tenacious, being determined. That you can, you can realize, you know. Working on on your weak sides, uh, you know, and also strong, but equally analyze where 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 is your uh, your strength first of all, and you use it by all means. And this when you perform, you 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 have to rely on strength. But equally, when you have training time, not performance training time, then you try to work on your uh, identify weaknesses and work on your weaknesses. You know, like uh, to improve uh, to 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 improve uh, your game. Yeah, both coaching and and fence and coach are almost on, on like a like a team like a like, yeah. like a one, they're on one boat they're on one journey and you know they are both sinking and both both <laughs> <laughs> <Good, good> making <laughs> progress yeah. Oh, yes, yeah yeah if you um, when you coach do you have um, do you have an image of a, a kind of a, an ideal fencer or does your coaching change depending on on who you have in front of you well. Um, uh, I, I try to obviously see what he's made of, what uh, what he what he's good at, and you know, it's principle of indiv- one of my principles individualization, mm-hmm. particularly on highest higher level. If something needs to be particularly pay attention, so I try to work on that particular area, but uh, which suits that per- that particular person. However, there is certain uh, you know like. Uh, uh, Base certain certain methods, certain exercises, which can be good to anyone, yeah. uh, anytime. And this is my kind of base. Mm-hmm. And then I just go individually to yeah, how, how, they, how, how I see see what uh, what he's, for instance, is his point is too big. Then of course I co- co- tidy it up a bit. If his uh, hand is too heavy, I try to make it a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Better coordinated, and um, you know, if his point is slow, I try to speed it up, of yeah. course, because some people don't 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 use fingers enough. Don't yeah. don't they, they just go like it's from cold. elbow? You know. <laughs> it's like a, a club rather Cla- than cl- clubbing. Yes, we call it clubbing. Yeah. Yes, and and things like that. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, now we've talked a bit in the podcast about the 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 end of British fencing's world class program and. Uh, you've obviously been heavily involved in that, producing, well, virtually all of the top men's foils in the UK for the last, well, nearly 40 years. Um, before I talk about the world-class programme specifically, what's what's your vision of um, yeah. of world-class performance? Well, uh, obviously, we have done it uh, before in 2000 and. Uh, Three Richard Cruz make top eight uh, in Havana World Championships. That's to me, uh, although not medal, but still world class performance. Then in Olympic Games 2004, uh, 21 years old Cruz delivered top eight, losing to Casara 15-8 in top eight. Perfect, perfect, beautiful performance, and it was without funding. Yeah. Um, so we are back in the, the, the same situation. Um, and basically, I, I believe, of course, it would be nice if British fencing can have a, can find British Usmanov, 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that this world Russian Federation has got Usmanov is not only uh, president of uh, international fencing Federation, but he is also uh, president of Russian. Yeah, this started with and putting money into Russian fencing first. Yes, yes, and I, I think he, he really helps a lot uh, Russian fences. Mm. And so we need someone like that, but uh, we cannot bank on finding someone. No, unfortunately, <laughs> we keep looking. I'm sure. Yeah, well, we have to keep looking, uh, but we have to assume that we won't, we won't find. Uh, we have to assume that not many people will be willing to help financially. But if I may say, if I can uh, encourage anyone who listens to this program to to give some money to some individuals, and I think, for instance, Richard Cruz proved himself. He uh, that he can deliver results, world-class results, and he still wants to get prepare himself to to, to Tokyo. Mm. So, so any any help to Richard would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also James Davies, also uh, Marcus Maps, that all these guys prove themselves that they want, they still want to carry on, and yeah. they need money. And um, uh, how I imagine, you know, that the coaches, first of all, um, the Lone Pole Center, which you just seen, okay. Yeah. It could be a fantastic base, uh, still base for some kind of uh, world-class program across all four wep- all three, we- three weapons. Yeah. There are 12 pieces, let's say four pieces per weapon during the day. It should be used. Uh, there should be someone uh, like uh, who, and I, I believe a lot of people voluntarily would like to carry on duty of performance director. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And one of them, uh, you know, I know of one who would be absolutely ideal, in my opinion, but uh, Johnny Willis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I will, I will uh, you know, of course, there are lots of other people who are very intelligent, very knowledgeable, but uh, basically, Johnny Willis, the advantage, he's always there, always here, always yeah. uh, keep eye on the, the, the thing. So, and he, he, in my opinion, he understands international sport and understands what is needed to become top, top fans. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Himself. Yeah. Oh, well, himself. And that, that's very important. To, to make the right decisions uh, for performance director. And also, he will be, in my opinion, uh, fairly, fairly objective uh, because he doesn't really uh, have any particular... Uh, his heart is with Ed, I understand, but he doesn't have any particular individual which he trains, which he would yeah. like to favor or whatever, you know, just... Uh, he will be he will be probably the, the, the most uh, object, quite objective guy, you know, the, the very objective guy. And so, uh, so him, uh, and then what I see that coaches, coaches uh, like myself uh, will be still coming there. And uh, I would see that other club coaches uh, would be able uh, to 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 come and with their fences and to give lessons. Unfortunately, you know, with 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 free of charge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because the, 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 that's that's how it was before. I mean, yeah. I, I I never charge Richard uh, for for lesson because you know it's just you have to invest, uh, and I get maybe because Richard make results, so that way I have uh, some. Um, Maybe yeah, good for your, your profile. Pro, prof, profit for a big profile and help help yeah. with it, charging somewhere else where yeah. there is no necessarily uh, world class program go. You know, sort of like. So I'm sure that's a huge relief for Richard because otherwise he was going to get a massive bill in a few years' time when he when he stops from you for what. 25 years of lessons. It'd be, it'd be enormous. <laughs> no, no. It's, but anyway, so, uh, but I hope uh, fences, uh, 
obviously it's nice if, if coaches can go abroad and find money somewhere. It doesn't matter where. So they can carry on coaching with, because going, going with fencing to competition is very important. You, you, you cannot just, uh, uh, always look at the video on not being in with fencers yeah. there. It's very important for coaches. So coaches should go as much as possible, at least for these cheaper competitions, you know, European and, uh, if British fencing can find money or, or pri- private sponsor can, can help coaches, that will be great. But fencers first. Fencers has to be helped first, uh, particularly those who have got realistic chance to qualify to, yeah. uh, to Tokyo. Uh, and there's only two, maximum two places we can yeah. feel. And I hope it will be, uh, you know, competition between, uh, maybe, Davis, Cruz, and maybe Mepstead. I'm not sure whether there is enough time for for other youngsters to catch up because uh, I think it'd be difficult. Yeah, difficult because they 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 have been neglected, unfortunately, sadly. It's true because all the focus has been on the team for the last four years. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it has. Yeah, has been some, yeah, of the, so, some of the younger talent has been. Um, yeah, so this kind of uh, this kind of uh, as, as long as Richard Cruz, for instance, is uh, training there and he'll be training every day. Mm. There's all, all, only and I will be there every day. So that that's the base for for good 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 training because Richard will fence anyone. Yeah, and they have to be very professional. They have to do warm up by themselves, not waste uh, waste time. Uh, some uh, they should have a program from SNC coaches or from their own coach physical program which they can do outside before or after yeah. but when fencing comes I think between say 11 and 1 they should fight hard and uh, you know and uh, Richard uh, fencing Richard still will be such a great platform for a lot of people's uh, other fences to, to improve and also I believe in international uh, involvement I believe uh, in, in, engaging people like uh, Topalides from Cyprus now, <laughs> yeah. engaging in the training process, people like uh, obviously Chupenic, yeah. people like Samandi who is now in London. Okay. Who, yes, Samandi who is very good fencer. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, uh, making him also participate and come. If not, obviously, if not always they can come during the day. Therefore, I think I believe the club training will be much more important now uh, in this. Uh, next few years. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we've, Gavin and I have talked about that a bit. That um, mm-hmm. with the with the end of the world class program, I think it's going to place a, a lot more emphasis on the clubs to become much more professional, provide a, a wider range of services, be open longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, already there's more clubs taking on uh, their own sort of permanent training facilities, so that mm-hmm. that gives a lot more opportunity for offences to train more often, more intensively. Yeah. And um, I think that's almost certainly what uh, what Britain's going to need now. Um, now that the world class program has has come to an end, that it, it yeah. will put a much more uh, emphasis much more on club. clubs. Yes, yeah. definitely. But equally, I believe that Leon Paul, who has this center, yeah, uh, with they will probably uh, do as much as they can to help maintaining some kind of uh, structure, yeah. uh, which we had before, you know, in yeah. in, uh, in hand on the center during the day, you know. Yeah. So, and I believe Richard will be coming here, and I'll be coming here. So, and there's uh, other fences like Chupanich. Yeah. Time time he comes and trains. Yeah. It's probably international quality squad. Yes, yes. It's yeah. like you know, uh, we have to get together because uh, to get good quality sparring, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know. Uh, it's quite tough, quite yeah. hard. Yeah. You know, so. 
and invaluable. Um, no, no. I, I want to, uh, talking of clubs, I want, yeah. I want to speak to you about um, uh, your own club. It's still yeah. comparatively uh, youthful club, ZFW Fencing Club in, yeah. in, in uh, London, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about that because um, obviously you've got your, your stars at one end, uh, your, your cruises and shooting niches, but a lot of uh, very talented young fencers as well coming through. Um, are they, do they benefit from your expertise and having Richard as a role model and how do you see your uh, your your young club developing? Well, yes, I obviously uh, you know uh, when I lost my uh, my my job as a national coach, you know, I, I again was in the situation that I have to do something, either go abroad or, or and I have to you know I, I have energy and to say how to work, you know. <laughs> so I just I decided to actually to to do something you know by myself and. Uh, and it w- it's going very very well um, with the help of um, uh, gifted, very gifted parents, because that's very important. Uh, you know, dealing with other mothers, other children, etc. And we create kind of a good structure. Uh, you know, and yes, and they as much as possible. I, I try to involve this international start, like Richard, like Chupanich. So, so for them, for the for 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 the youngsters, they are definitely role models. That professionalism of, 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 of Richard and, 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 and Chupanish hopefully will be contagious and yeah. uh, pass, pass on these youngsters. And, and I have, uh, there are, there are quite a few, yes, quite a few talented, uh, talented guys. And of course, uh, I just enjoy watching, coaching them, enjoy watching them developing. Uh, and I hope, uh, you know, what is my, I hope to, 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 to help them as 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 long as I am capable of helping them, so uh, I, I believe I have I have still a few years uh, left. Yeah. So so, and uh, ideally, ideally, I would like to have a kind of like Marcellus Foundation. Mm. It's it's uh, his own premises, you know, like in, in Manchester, that that place, Manchester, yeah. maybe in Scotland as well. There's something happening in London. It's very very tough because it's so much so much more expensive. Yeah. But anyway, this would be my ultimate dream to have a, the, 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 the yeah. center. Which center. Which well, the, the ZFW, that's much yeah, my, my, so my interest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Um, that's actually going to bring me to my, my final question, Shai. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked about coaching young fencers, uh, coaching international Olympic stars. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what gives you the most satisfaction in your coaching? Is it... Uh, being being presided um, at an Olympic final, or working with little kids and bringing them into the sport and, and developing them. You know, uh, it's uh, difficult to compare those two situations yeah. because the coaching uh, Richard Cruz or anyone at Olympic level, it's just like ultimate ultimate uh, moment of yeah. your uh, p- 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 pinnacle p- uh, yeah pinnacle of your pinnacle of your of your all uh, you know all uh, coaching uh, yeah, energy can. life and everything else so, so that's beautiful it's it's it's, it's really uh, uh, unforgettable moment which uh, which i i you know treasure but but there is uh, tremendous satisfaction watching kids changing uh, so quickly from because they're growing so fast, mm-hmm. and the changes in personality and in uh, skills, it's it's uh, fantastic. This uh, almost dramatic sometimes, you yeah. know. Just oh my god, I never seen this before. <laughs> he's so he's he improved so much. Yeah, uh, you, you haven't seen him for maybe two weeks, and after he's noticed something different, and 
So the, the, this is very satisfying, but it's very hard to compare because yeah. both things are uh, part of the whole journey, you know, for whole coaching uh, process, you know, beginning and end, basically. Yeah. This is beginning and this is the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's in, 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 between, all the in between. <laughs> all this journey in between. Yeah. How to produce the world-class fencer. But I think I kind of feel it. I kind of feel it. Well, congratulations. Another good interview there. He's quite an interesting guy, is Jamek. Yeah, he's fascinating. I mean, whenever I speak to him, I always come away from it feeling kind of inspired and uplifted. I mean, we don't always, I don't always agree with his, with his opinions on mm-hmm. some things. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, we've not always seen eye to eye on everything, but his, his just sheer enthusiasm and passion for the sport yeah. is just totally infectious. And, I, uh, I, I quite like the idea that he's quite good at sort of distilling the complexity out of the game. Mm-hmm. And he puts it across in a very simple way, I think. Yeah. Which makes him very, it's one of the reasons why he's so compelling to listen to. How many coaches have you ever spoke to are really boring about the way they speak to? Well, fences, I uh, mean, I, I know that I can be extremely tedious. Yeah. Well, um, there you go. Me too. You know, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas Jamie doesn't have that. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. It's a fantastic quality to have and, and one that, that shows in the, the results that his fences produce yeah, you know, I love year the fact, after year after year. I love the fact they were stateless for six years. I think that's that. It's quite good. It's quite good anecdote with that one. Yeah, I mean, I've known Jamie for a long time, and and there was bits and pieces of that interview that I, that I didn't know about his yeah. his life and how yeah. he, how he, you know how he ended up in Britain and you know what that what that whole process was like. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed the interview. Yeah, it was good. So I think that probably just about wraps us up for this time. Okay, but we'll be back um, probably quite soon with our our roundup from the Cadet and Junior World Championships, um, and I have another interesting interview lined up for just the day after we're recording. So I'm quite looking forward to that one, and you should hopefully hear that one in the next episode as well so thanks very much for joining us and thanks and thanks so much for, uh, from Gavin uh, and Sean that was slightly done Gav <laughs> and uh, we'll speak to you again soon thanks very much thanks